So we continue our series on Ephesians. We are actually halfway. We're uh, on the second half of Ephesians already. So like I said last Sunday, uh, what you will see, what you will notice is really the second half is a practical um, uh, approach to the letter. Uh, the, the chapter 4, 5, and 6 will be about what it means to live out your Christian doctrine. So let me ask you, uh, as we look at uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, imagine with me for a second that you're drawing circles. Okay? Drawing circles. And yung mga circles na yun represent uh, different aspects of your life. So you're drawing a, a circle for family. You're drawing a circle for work. You're drawing a circle uh, for your hobbies. Uh, your friends, uh, your, your interests. Yeah. So picture with me your drawing circles like that. The size of, uh, of each circle should have different sizes based on how much time, attention, effort, and energy it takes from you. So you have different circles different sizes let me now ask how do those circles how do the circles overlap do they overlap where are the children doing the circles <laughs> how do they overlap if you are a 21st century middle class young person that's, that's an unbeliever, but you consider yourself a fairly decent human being, you would add another circle there and you will call it, this is the circle for my spirituality or my advocacy. So it might be you know, my, my desire for the environment, let's say, or my desire for gender equality or my desire for the poor. Yeah. So, ilalagay mo yun dun. If you're a Christian with the same uh, profile, you would replace that circle and you would call it church life. Now, you would ask, what's wrong with that? Well, if you ask a first century Christian to do the same exercise and ask the same questions, he will give you a blank stare. What do you mean church life? Because for him, Christian life is church life, which is basically the, the, the whole message of uh, our, our sermon today. It's one and the same. It's not a separate circle that from time to time affects different parts of his or her life. The circle is affecting and shaping other aspects of his life. His family, his vocation, his friends, his hobbies, everything is being shaped by that. Although that was not the, the situation before he becomes a Christian. Now it becomes a, a guiding 
uh, circle that affects every other part of his life. So what happened? Well, what happened was, basically I'm just giving you already the, the, the gist of the sermon. What happened was, like throughout the century, we have individualized Christianity to the point that we have created a dichotomy between the individual person and a community. But that's not what the Bible teaches us about church life. If you are a Christian, you are part of a community. They are together. And, and so because we, have, we are now in a time where Christianity is, even Christianity is individualized, there is a need to rediscover the value of the church in the life of a Christian. That's why, you know, there's a, a, a recent book because, uh, that was um, uh, motivated by the pandemic called Rediscover the Church by Colin Hansen. In fact, there's a group that uh, translated that book. Yung title ng book, Balik na tayo sa church. Just really a really appropriate and apt um, message for all of us who went through this pandemic. And so, um, as uh, we look at chapter 4, as uh, Paul talks to these new believers to understand this new community, what I hope to share with you is to, 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 un to answer this question, what is the role of the church in the life of a Christian? And for some, this is a reminder. For some, this is a assurance. And for, for all of us, this is a clarity of what, where we stand as a church in the life of each and every one of us. So let me give you three roles of the church in the life of every person who calls himself or herself a Christian. Number one, the church is where we extend Christian grace. This is where we extend Christian grace. This chapter starts with, again, uh, Paul saying, Therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, me, I urge you, I, I beseech you to live worthily of the calling which you have been called. Ano yung calling na yun? Ano yung, ano yung calling na sinasabi ni Apostle Paul? Well, that refers to what he has been saying in chapter 2. Ano yung sinabi ni Paul in chapter 2? That we are people reconciled to God. Remember yung, yung chapter 2 natin that there's, we have a statement there that we are a reconciled community. Okay? Yes, we, we are a reconciled community like that. <laughs> we are reconciled to God and we are reconciled to others. Such a beautiful message in that chapter too, how uh, in, 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 in one statement, Paul is saying, you know what, you're, you're, you're enemies of God, but you have been reconciled to, to him. But also you as Gentiles, you're also reconciled to the Jews. It's amazing. So to be called by God out of the world and into the body of Christ, uh, Arsis process is the highest vocation possible. 
highest vocation, highest calling possible. So how do we live this vocation? Well, he gives us the, the practicals. Walk with humility. Walk in gentleness. Walk with patience. Bear one another in love. Put up with one another. But think about that for a second. Yung mga instructions na yon. In what kind of environment do you think humility will best develop? Probably in a scenario where there are people who think and act that they are better than others. Probably in a scenario where you think you are better than others. That's where humility is developed. How about gentleness and patience? Where can we extend that virtue? In an environment where your patience is tested. Where your gentleness is tested. When you wait for people. When you're longing for people to change. The same is true with bearing one another. It's best developed where it is best tested. And you know where that can happen? In the church. In the church. Second lang dun yung family. Yung family, you're obligated to bear with them. Right? But in the church, you can even say, why would I want to subject myself in this? Right? So and this is where we can extend uh, grace towards one another. You know, contrary to public perception, the church is not a collection of well-behaved, fine-tuned individuals. If that is the case, we don't need to extend grace with one another. The church is a collection of sinners saved by God who still live messy lives. We still live messy lives. We just hide it better. Again, this is hindi to separate message na sinasabi ni Apostle Paul. Ha? You have to consider what he has been saying since chapter 1, 2, and 3. In chapter 2, he reminded us that we are God's workmanship. Each and every believer is God's workmanship. A work of art. A Picasso. A Da Vinci. You're a work of art. But this masterpiece is far from being complete. Have you seen a painting that's not yet complete? <laughs> is it beautiful? Is it confusing? <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Ross. Bob Ross is an old uh, artist. When he paints, you don't know what is, what's happening, but when, when the painting is, is completed, it's, it's a beautiful um, picture of, you know, uh, what, of whatever he's painting. You know, because we are still a work in progress, our default, our default would be to extend grace to each other. That's our default. 
And extending grace to one another is different from being polite. Kasi ang akala natin, oh, sa church dapat we are all polite. Extending grace is far from being just, you know, being polite. Extending grace to one another is different from being tolerant. Kasi yan ang message ngayon ng society eh. Oh, we need to, to value tolerance. We cannot, we don't look at colors. We don't see colors. I've heard uh, someone say, you know, God does not keep, see colors. Yeah, talking about race. I disagree because God is not colorblind. He values each and every color, even the colors that you do not see. Extending grace means discovering the most frustrating things about someone in the body of Christ and still you willingly commit to walk with that person until God changes that person's heart. Or God changes your heart. You're willing to commit to walk with that person. Kasi as you, as you walk together, either ang mauuna, God changes His heart or God changes your heart. And this is true. In any church, there will always be one or more people you will find frustrating or annoying. That is true. Kahit saan ka pumuntang simbahan, merong ganun. And they come from, they come at different shapes and sizes. <laughs> There will always be someone in the church, one or more, that you will consider frustrating or annoying. If you don't find anything frustrating or annoying, it's either you are not invested enough yet to discover or if you can't find that person, the person might be you. <laughs> And we are still a young church. You know, we have a long way to go. There are many things that can happen. And I can guarantee you Sooner or later, you will find something annoying. You will find the mess. You will discover the flaw. But in the messiness, in the flaw, is what we will discover. That flaw is actually by design. It's by design. God intended to bring in complicated relationships in the church with extra baggages for your sanctification, for your good. This is not a bug in the design. The flaws, the mess, the annoying things in the church It's a critical feature of the church. It helps you extend grace to others and it helps you receive grace from others. And it helps you remind, it reminds you that God has been gracious to you as well. If you find something in the church that really bugs you, that annoys you, remember 
you're annoying as well. <laughs> you're frustrating as well. But God was gracious to you. Kung ang basihan lang ng Panginoon is you stop being frust- uh, frustrating or annoying, no one will be ever be Christian. And this is not, I'm saying this to say it's easy, it's actually difficult to, to, to gather people with complicated relationships. That's why Paul encouraged these believers in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because extending Christian grace is difficult, ang tendency natin is to stay away from things that's inconvenient, especially in our culture that's non-confrontational, We'd rather not deal with it. I'd just go. Even more so that we must fight to stay together. If, I, if you find some things in the church that's frustrating, you fight to stay together. Of course, I'm not saying, you know, uh, with the exception of, of course, abuse or uh, uh, false teachings. We fight to stay together. But what will help us stick together? Do we stick together because we have the same likes and dislikes? Do we stay together because we have the same political views? Do we stay together? Are, are we, do we remove the inconveniences, the... the you know, the frustrating things, annoying things because we are of the same social status, same type of education, same language, same passion, same location. Obviously not, right? We're coming from different parts uh, of the metro. Imagine if those things are the basis of our unity. Our unity will never last. Here's the good news. What Paul is saying, how you can stick together, how you can uh, strive to work for this, because the basis of our unity is infinitely more powerful than what could break us apart. What is that? In verse 4, there is one body, one spirit, just as you two were called to be one of one hope of your calling, our future hope. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is over all and through all and in all. Basically, what Paul is saying, you know, you can, there's a whole sermon just for this, but what he's saying, you know, the basis of your unity is not in your hands. You maintain it, but you do not attain it. Hindi ikaw ang... Um, hindi yung pastor o yung vision ng church ang nagkukos ng unity. So again, let's extend grace to one another in this local church. The Christian church is where we extend uh, grace towards one another. Let's extend grace here with one another, even with the children, even with the ch- especially with the children. 
But let me widen the scope. Let me widen the scope further. We also need to extend grace to other local churches and their members beyond our walls. They too are being used by God for our sanctification and vice versa. We are being used by God for their sanctification. Pero Pastor, what about their incorrect practices? Well, let me worry about that. As a pastor, I'm called by God to care for the flock, to care for the sheep, and keep the, the wolves away. So I will, that's part of my, my desire and my passion to keep, let us know about the wolves and keep them away. And, and I will not willingly open ourselves to, to heresy. But for those, obviously, you know who, who are the churches that we have fellowship with. Yes, there will still have differences. We will have differences with these churches. But you know what? We have a lot of more essential things in common than non-essential things that we have as differences. Mas madali lang kasi makita yung differences, eh, but there are more essential things that we have in common. And so let's extend grace sa kanila kahit na ang expression nila is different from us. Let's extend grace. Kasi when, when Paul is saying here uh, that we, that we uh, walk in humility and gentleness, he's not just talking about the local church, he's also talking about the universal church the whole body of Christ. So point number one, the church role is where we, ex we extend Christian grace to one another. Number two, the church is where we exercise our Christian gifts. Our Christian gifts. Verse seven, each one of us has received a special gift in proportion to what Christ has given. Let me skip to verse 11. It was he, Christ, who gave gifts to the people, the people meaning the church. He appointed some to be apostles, others to be prophets, others to be evangelists, others to be pastors and teachers. He did this, giving gifts, to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service in order to build up the body of Christ. That's the, I read the good news translation. Notice the, you know, how he is saying these things. He is saying each one of us, but he's also saying some. You know, the, the play of words na meron lahat, pero meron ding iba. The first thing I want to highlight here is that these gifts are given by Christ. Christ, the victorious king, is the giver of these gifts. The gifts are diverse, but not random. Intended siya. It's diverse, but it is by design. It is unique, but it is also proportional. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing that God did not leave it up to us to figure out Christian life. That when, when Paul said, oh, you need to grow into Christ-likeness, this is how it happens. 
And Christ gave the means to make that happen. He has given the church the gifts for that. And speaking of that, you will also notice there are individual gifts and there's what we call institutional gifts. Okay, merong individual gifts, merong institutional gifts. Let me explain. Yung individual gifts, we are saying each one in the church has been carefully and masterfully gifted by God to help that local church to be built up. Each one, not some, each one. So anong ibig sabihin nun? Friends, each and every one of us here is made for ministry. We are made for ministry. And I, I want to challenge that modern view of ministry. We have looked at ministry as something that's selected, gifted few who are handling most of the life of the church. And that's, you know, that's very much influenced by how we understand the modern world. And, and I don't know if you've heard of the Pareto Principle. The Pareto Principle tells us uh, that 20% of the people do 80% of the, the, the job. And this, this is a universal thing like in, in corporations, in schools. Ganyan ang mindset. You have 20% of the people actually doing 80% of the work. And we have viewed church like that. We have viewed church ministry like that. That's why we either have paid staff or specific volunteers. Uh, and we say they are the people doing the ministry and the rest are just congregation consuming content. What we're seeing here, the biblical view of ministry is that each and everyone is gifted by God for ministry. That does not mean everyone sings, leading the singing. That does not mean everyone is gifted the same way. We are united. Y yung unity natin does not mean uniformity. It's those are different things. So the church, so in, in the church, in the local church, everyone is designed for service. I don't know what that looks like. But not everyone is equipped the same way. It means the, the, the fact that you are here means that you have something to build up the church that I cannot do. I cannot do that. I cannot, I don't know how it feels to, uh, to care for a daughter because I don't have a daughter. But those who have daughters can help me understand what that feels like so I can serve others. I don't know what it feels to be a woman. <laughs> But you can teach me so I can understand how to minister to others. And speaking of the pastor, aside from the individual gifts, 
God has given the church institutional gifts. God has placed in the church leaders for specific roles. We identified that here. Um, Paul mentioned uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So yung pastors and teachers, notice yung phrasing, um, magkasama siya, hindi siya, hindi siya separate. So yung iba, some, others, others, tapos yung others, magkasama yung pastors and teachers because that's, for me, that's of the same office. Th those are not different people. Okay, let me ask you, do we have apostles and prophets today? Well, apostles have been appointed by Jesus himself to establish and give foundation in the church. And if you can tell me that you have been appointed by Jesus as an apostle, I will, I will probably have, look for proof. <laughs> so our, our, our belief with this that, that has been done already. The, the apostles have completed their task. There's, there's no more need for apostles. How about prophets? Are there prophets today? So, para definitive tayo. No. <laughs> That's our stand. Bakit? Ano ba yung mga prophets? They are called by God to speak on His behalf. Thus says the Lord. Right? Repent, or this will happen. But we have the scripture completed already. And 2 Timothy reminds us that the, the, the scripture is sufficient, inspired by God. We have, we have something to speak, uh, to speak the words of God for us. Well, functionally, there are there will be people that can uh give the gifts of the apostles and prophets. I'm not saying the, the office is still present, but functionally, we, we still feel uh, these roles. The same way with evangelists. Well, functionally, yes. There, we can consider this as missionaries or church planters who start the mission of God. And then you have pastor-teacher like I said, I believe this to be just one office, which all churches must have. All churches must have. The pastor teacher is called by God to care for the flock and to feed it. And so, because the flock is important to God, we cannot take this role lightly. Now, it, it feels like you know, because I'm, I'm the pastor and I'm the one saying this parang nagbubuhat ng bangko. But I want you to keep this in mind even, even if the Lord brings you to another church or uh, CRC Makati has another pastor, we cannot take this role lightly. We cannot take this role lightly. We cannot, we cannot delegate this to someone easily. Right? You know, the Bible's qualification for uh, elder or pastor is that he must be able to teach because the elder pastor, the pastor teacher, is called, is 
is needed by the church to prepare the church, to equip the church for the work of service. The reason why we put uh, so much emphasis on this is because if the pastor teacher does not fulfill his God-given uh, mandate of equipping and his doing the work of the ministry, the church will not be built up. If I major in the minors, the church will not be built up. You know, the primary means of instruction in the church is still the preaching of God's word. So it's just right that we pay close attention to what is being taught. It's just right that you expect high standards on the preaching of God's word. It's just right that we do not just delegate this to anyone. You know, there, there was a... Many years ago, uh, we've had this pastor. Uh, you don't know this church. Hindi <laughs> to anything that you that you know from my background. <laughs> There's this uh, church and th this pastor. Uh, towards the end of the preaching, mga about one third salang yun natitira. He called his son to finish the preaching on his behalf. And, and the son was about early 20s. And the son was really, he's a brilliant guy. He's a really intelligent guy. He reads his Bible. He, he's good. He's good, really. And that caused division in the church. And, and here I am, and, and I'm saying, I was young at that time. I was saying, wow, ang amazing naman ng ginawa nung, nung pastor. How bold. How amazing. And now I realize that's, that's a serious error. That's a serious error. We cannot just delegate that to anyone that the church did not affirm to be a pastor of the church. Anyway, the pastor already repented of that. He did not do that again. Um, and we cannot do that. We, we, we cannot take this lightly because this is the word of God. I'm not putting myself on the pedestal. I'm putting the word of God on the pedestal. This is what's important to us. So, Pastor, kung, if all, the, all you're saying is if these things hinges on the pastor's ability to teach, then I should seek out better teachers. I should seek out better preachers than my pastor. And there are a lot, I can tell you, there are a lot of better preachers. Dito na lang ako makikinig. You know, still, the best shepherd is the one who knows the sheep. There are better instructors. Obviously, there are better pastors, but they are the best pastors for their local church. That's why kaya I'm saying this is a role of a pastor teacher. It's, you're not just looking for instruction. You're looking for shepherding. The best person to shepherd the flock is still the one who knows the flock. And until the one that you're listening to knows you by name, knows where you live, he, 
he's not pastoring you. So my encouragement for us, those who are here, those who are online, those who are listening to the recording, look for the local church pastor that will shepherd you. So let me bring this together. So yes, the church is where we exercise Christian gifts. Each and every one of us, individual, have specific unique gifts uh, in the church. And there are institutional gifts that God gave to us. So friends, don't think that you are not valuable just because you are. You feel like you're not contributing as much as the others kasi mas visible yung ginagawa nila. Number one, you are valuable because you were bought at a price. Not because of your out output in the church. And number two, you are valuable because God gifted you. My challenge for us is that if you know that you have been gifted by God already, use it. Exercise it in the church. Because the church is not simply where theological con uh, content is consumed, nor is it merely a place to find morally upright friends to hang out with. The church is where you are trained and sharpened for service. This is where you are trained and sharpened for service. And when everyone is exercising their gifts, whether the pastor, teacher, or everyone in the congregation, the good news is that the church will eventually grow. And this is my third and, and last point, yung role ng, ng church in a Christian life. The church is where we experience Christian growth. We need a community to help us grow, to tell us whether re we really are maturing as Christians or not. We cannot do that alone. True and lasting growth happens in the church. It happens in the church, with the church. And what does Christian growth look like in the context of this letter? You know, so many people will, will say Christian growth is, you know, if you reach a certain number of attendees, regular attendees, or if you have many volunteers in this area, if you have a number of uh, staff in the, in the church, or you're, you're helping the community already, well, th those are good markers of, uh, and fruits of the, the, the ministry. But look at how Paul describes Christian growth. Well, number one, he's saying we don't stay infants. We are no longer to be children. It's good to have a childlike faith, but it is not good to have a childish faith. What's the difference? A childlike faith adores his father. Here's the voice of his father. A childish faith gets easily offended. Imagine if you're 18 years old and you're still crying to your mother. 
We don't stay as infants. It's, it's, it's nice to have a childlike faith. And, and the Bible reminds us of that. But it's different from being a, a childish in our faith. What does that look like? If you're no longer a child, you stand your ground. You stand your ground against every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who are crafty to carry out their deceitful schemes. You know, we need the church to, to help us stand our ground, to stand firm in our faith. We need the church to help us sift through fake news. Ang hirap to do that on your own. It's difficult to do that on your own. You need, the, you need the, the institutional gifts to equip you, and you need other believers to help you sift through uh, you know, uh, false teachings. And Christians throughout the centuries have always contended with false teachings, and we are not different. We are not different. The world is teaching us and catechizing us of something that is contrary to what the Bible is teaching. Mas deceitful na nga ngayon eh. Kasi it sounds and feels good. So the manifestation of Christian growth, we don't stay as infants. We stand our, gr our ground. And third, we grow in love. We grow in love. But practicing the truth in love, verse 15, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. From him, the whole body grows fitted and held together through every supporting ligament as each part does its part. As each one does its part by the body, the body builds itself up in love. We grow in love towards our Savior and towards one another. How do we measure? Of course, kapag pinag-uusapan natin yung growth, dapat merong metrics, merong standard. Ano yung standard? Well, that's what we see in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, He's the mature person, attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. The aim for Christian growth is Christ-likeness, friends. It is not to be like the most successful church in your neighborhood. It is not to be like that Christian who wrote a book. It is not like to be, the to be like the pastor. If your measure of Christian growth is to be like me, you're putting yourself short, friends. The measure, the aim is still Christ. And you know why that is good news? One, because none of us attain that now. But two, all of us are welcome towards that. What an amazing thing that we are not measured by the success, our success and growth with other churches or successful Christians, we look always to our Savior. And He is our sure and steady anchor, just like the song that we sang earlier. 
you know, because our measure is Christ himself and he is the head of the body, you know what that means? He calls the shots. He calls the shots and he is the one fitting together each one in the body. And, and to quote R.C. Sproul in this, there is no such thing as a misfit, yung incorrect yung fit. There is no such thing as a misfit in the body of Christ because Christ himself, the head of the body, is the one who makes sure that we fit together and being knitted together in the unity of his body. If you feel that tension, that difficulty that you are trying to fit yourself in, in, in a local church, in this local church, if you feel that tension, good news, Christ is doing his work through that. Let me just give us some, some applications of this. Uh, this uh, reminder of Christian life is really church life. If you are fairly new to this local church, whether you're here or online, and you're still thinking, Lord, this is where, is this where you're leading me? Or you're, you're thinking, where, where is that perfect church for me? And my encouragement is, my practical encouragement for us, give yourself a deadline to make that decision. Give yourself a deadline and also a warning that you will never find the perfect church. You will never find it. As soon as you enter the church, it stops from being perfect. <laughs> if, if, you found, if you found the perfect church and you entered it, it's no longer perfect. <laughs> Give yourself a deadline and really prayerfully decide whether the Lord is bringing you here and commit. If you have been attending regularly in the church, whether here, again, or online, and you're, you're finding fit, you're, you're finding something you know, that draws you in uh, in the church, whether it's the, you know, the, the songs, the, the, the preaching, the coffee, <laughs> Or, or you, you, it's convenient, or you like the jokes that I give. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> you know, I, I, I encourage you, consider in the next six months, consider in the next six months, taking the next, next steps forward in the church. What do I mean? If you find yourself, wow, I, I, I feel like the Lord is bringing me here. Progress in that commitment. If you are attending online service regularly, commit to taking the next step of attending in person. If you are listening to the recording, commit to attending the church. If you have been attending in person, commit to going here regularly. If you have been regularly attending, commit to coming in early to know the people. If you've been coming in uh, earlier, you know, figure out how you can use your gifts. You know, take that next step. What's the next step in, in my commitment here? Consider that in the next six months. And let's see how the Lord will, how you will experience Christian growth 
through that. Lastly, if you have been here for, for a year, let me tell you, you have been an answer to my prayer. You have been uh, a joy in, in this church plant. You have made a commitment that this is your church. I, I praise God for you, but let me challenge you as well. If we truly believe that Christian life is church life, let me encourage you to consider your church life to affect other aspects of your life. What do I mean? When we, when we started with you know, different circles in your life, make the church life bigger and let it affect other aspects of your life. When you make a, a, a job dis, a decision, when you're considering moving, when you're considering um, your schedule in your, uh, in your work, your vacations, when you're considering what to look for hobbies, consider the life of the church. Consider how it affects the church. And I tell you, when we do that together, this is the promise from him, the whole body grows and fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we look to the second half of Ephesians, we are reminded of our role as a community. That this is who we are. This is our identity, not just as, as an optional thing in our lives. Not just something we attend for a couple of hours on Sunday, but something that should affect every aspect of our lives. Lord, teach us to be drawn towards one another, to extend grace uh, with one another, to anticipate that we are also recipient of, uh, of gentleness and patience in bearing of uh, our, our sins uh, of others. Lord, we ask that you will uh, encourage us and inspire us to exercise our gifts uh, and practice that uh, gifts uh, here with one another. Teach us, Lord, to, to value your word, to value what it means to sit under your word. And I pray, Lord, that we will be excited how you are helping us grow, how you are uh, showing us that we can grow from infancy to adulthood, and how it helps us stand firm, and how it will help us grow in love. We are excited, Lord, with what you're going to do in this local church. But I pray, Lord, that we will uh, see wh what you're doing uh, in this local church connected to the, the body of Christ, the universal church. We praise you for this privilege that we could be called your flock. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.